Thanks TJ Drennan for that wonderful intro. I'm Spencer, aka Free Thrall, and you're listening to Keep Off the Borderlands. Now this episode is going to include the return of a feature, Controversy Corner. But what will make this a little different than before, this time it's personal. But before that, I've got some uh, really nice call-ins to go through. Also, this episode features an extended message from Michael Shorten, Chicago Wiz, which he sent to me as an audio file via my email address, spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. That is always an option if you'd rather do that than using the Anchor app. I'm perfectly happy to receive messages in that format. First up, it's me old mate Colin Green. What you got for us, Colin? Hope you've been working on your spike pit accent, Spencer, because you might need to do a little bit of mirroring in response. I'm, I'm calling in regarding Mr Aldridge's comment about uh, the OSR. I think you did a, a fine job of defining it and explaining what it means to you. I put my hands up to saying I've got definition fatigue on the subject. I can still listen to people talking about it, but on my own show, I've suggested I'd rather talk about something else. So I won't be picking up the gauntlet. But don't let me uh, be a fun sucker and stop everybody else's enjoyment. I just prefer to be a little bit more specific. And I agree with Dave. If it's a phrase you're going to use, yeah, you should definitely explain yourselves and uh, make it clear to people coming into the hobby what it means. So. Colin Spike Pit Green there. And good to his word, his next episode was entitled What Isn't the OSR? So uh, well done for avoiding the topic there, Colin. <laughs> but I hear you. And, well, you know, if I'm going to have to define the OSR every time I use the phrase, <laughs> I think I might just end up <laughs> not bloody saying it. <laughs> I've got another message. It seems Sleepy Joe Richter finally got a few hours of shut-eye and managed to uh, gather his thoughts and give me another call. Yo, Spence's Joe. I think I did a pretty piss-poor job of trying to get my point across. I picked some pretty crappy examples, but like I said, it was 4.30 in the morning, so I hope you forgive me a little bit. I should have mentioned stuff like... uh, the D series of modules, D1, 2, and 3, you know, Shrine of the Kutoa, Descendant of the Earth, not in that order, and Vault of the Drow, and then the Against the Giant series. Uh, I think the Drow series started in, like, 81, 
or sorry, 78 and against the Giants came out in 81. And those are both considered classic modules, but those are also what would today be considered adventure paths. They're very linear. And so there is not a lot of emergent play in those. And that's that's what I was trying to get my point. What what of the classic modules that don't involve emergent play? There it is. Peace out. Joe Richter there from Hindsightless and the wonderful Wheel or Woe. Uh, with a bit of a, well, I'd say a clarification. I knew exactly what you were getting at before, Joe. But um, as I've said, <laughs> I don't know that they're better examples of what you were talking about because, you know, I'm the Eliza Doolittle here. I'm not not familiar with any of those modules, but I'm sure that makes a lot more sense to those in the know. So, I don't know. Maybe Sandbox Adventures Emergent Narrative was not such a big part of the OSR. But, you know, as they say, every day's a school day. Maybe I should stick to talking about porridge. But thanks for the call, man, and glad to hear that you're um, firing on all cylinders once again. Hi Spencer, Goblin Tenchman here. Just a voice message about your um, what is the OSR. Um, I re recorded a uh, uh, my version of what the OSR is when I after listening to yours and listening to um, John Allen Large's episodes on the same. Um, I don't know if it's going to shed sh shed any light on it, but no point in me paraphrasing on here. If you want to listen, please do. If you don't, well. You've had probably enough messages to fill up your <laughs> fill, up, fill you to the brim anyway, but uh, I just put it out there. All right, thanks for that. Bye. Goblin's henchman there, and uh, yes, it seems we're all at it. I urge you to go over and uh, listen to Goblin Henchman's podcast because, uh, well, he's just uh, full of weird and wonderful ideas, coming up with the incredibly useful hex flower. Also, I was looking at carapace earlier this week, a kind of a procedurally generated ant colony and several methods of, of generating that, which is a really interesting read. And um, yes, I urge you to check that out. All available on uh, drive Through RPG. Next up, I got a wonderful, wonderful message from Michael Shorten, Chicago Wiz, who took the time out to... Uh, make some really, really interesting points. Hey, Freethaw, this is Chicago Wiz with Dungeon Master's Handbook, Michael Shorten. Just listened to your call-in episode about, uh, about OSR and what old school is, and it's always of interest to me to listen to these podcasts because I swear we're having the same conversation we had in 2008, 2007, um, and I like your reference to the dictionary where you say it's either of or in the style of a previous era. And I think that that captures, in essence, a lot of what I'm saying, that when you're playing old school, you're playing in a definite way with a definite theme and a definite feel to it. 
but there are so many things that influence what that means to someone, how they were first introduced to role-playing games, as you point out, the kind of music that they listen to and what makes them excited about that music, um, which version of the game that they originally came into, what did they like or didn't like about it, what computer games, on and on and on, what movies they like and so on. It, everything comes together to say, this is the thing that really makes me excited about playing. For me, it's exploration. It's uncovering new things. It's seeing what's in the unknown. And it's doing it in such a way that I'm an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. And I found that those themes are best echoed in games that either were created in the 70s and early 80s or the ones that really directly emulate those. I, I really like that. I think I'm going to start using that. And, of course, all credit to you on how to phrase that. My point about playing OD&D. So a lot of people today say, oh, what's an OSR game? Well, of course, OSC. Um, of course, something like Troika or ICRPG. And it just makes me scratch my head because we have the original games available. You have original D&D as written in 1974 available as a PDF, or you can even get it printed up now from, uh, I believe, one of the uh, drive through RPG or the D&D version of that. You know, you can get Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Heck, you can even download a retro clone of that direct game. We've got the source material so available, I think it is really, really helpful for someone to go back and try those out. Sure, the new versions and the new interpretations, you know what, they're just as valid. I'm sure they're wonderful games. But for me, I've never felt a need to have to play these new games or to adopt them because the original versions give me everything I want. And that's what I mean when I come up and people say, oh, you know, what about OSR? What, what OSR game should I play? Well, go back and play the originals. See what you like about them. Love them for their anachronisms and for the way that they phrase things and for their really bad layout and terrible artwork because that gives you an understanding of the game's roots, the game's foundations, what people were trying to do with the game back when this was all brand new and nobody knew what a role-playing game was. And then I think that helps you to appreciate the newer games, to understand where they're coming from with their mechanics, and to even judge them, is this necessary? Is this something that I want in my game? Or do I use the direct game as it was written? All right, my friend, as always, a pleasure to listen to your podcast. You're definitely someone that uh, I uh, look forward to uh, listening to, and we'll talk at you later. Game on, my friend. So Michael Shorten, Chicago is of the Dungeon Masters Handbook podcast. There's so much to think about there, particularly the point about going back to those original games. And it was interesting to me that you mentioned Troika there as a game that somebody might suggest as OSR because obviously that doesn't have its roots in D&D. &D. But what's interesting there is that certainly several of us anchorites in discovering Troika 
have gone back to those original fighting fantasy books, which has led Dave Aldridge to running the book that started it all for him, The Riddling Reaver for the Purple Worms, which if you haven't listened to that, I urge you, please go and give that a listen. It's one of the most enjoyable actual plays I think I've ever listened to. (laughs) To get back to what Michael was talking about, why aren't people coming to the community, you know, asking what is OSR? Why are they not being directed back to the original materials? I wouldn't say necessarily that that isn't happening. I mean, obviously, those original rules that are readily available now weren't so easy to get hold of. Now that's all changed in recent years. All that stuff has become available. You look at more modern interpretations of those rules and you still see stuff that's being carried forward, which certainly for me doesn't appear to make sense within the context of more modern rule sets. And I'll say a bit more about that later on. And I also particularly like your summary of what the OSR means to you because it struck me as being at the core of what excites me about all that stuff and it's the exploration that journeying into the unknown and I and I feel that there are several modern games that set out to do that that really appeal to me that have really moved away from that need to emulate the rules of old editions of D&D And that is really what I want to talk about. Hey up Spencer, Shandy Andy here. A couple of points from your previous podcast about the OSR and the messages you were getting that uh, piqued my interest. The first was... um, Ooh, was it Dave Aldridge mentioned Dragon Age Origins? I can thoroughly recommend that as a um, a computer game with moral choices in. Really enjoyed that. Uh, it's one of those very few games that I actually played right through to the end. Uh, takes about sort of 80 to 100 hours. It's that type of uh, commitment, but I really enjoyed it and I'd thoroughly recommend it. Worth you rechecking that out, I think. The second point was you mentioned the sinister secret of Salt Marsh. Now that's quite an interesting one because I wouldn't say that that was old school. I ran that uh, back in the 80s and certainly if I'm remembering correctly and remember this is a long time ago, uh, I probably read read it about 86, that seemed a very fresh and new way of 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 planning a, a module that had a, a storyline to it and a bit of an arc and I hesitate to say railroading but it was certainly not quite the sandbox that we've been used to sort of keep on the borderlands um, you know even in search of the unknown I guess to some degree so there was a little bit of a change there I think the sandbox uh, one you're thinking of is the secret of Bone Hill uh, I've not played that, and I'm not familiar with it, but again, I, from reading um, you know, posts and what have you on the internet over the years, I, I've been led to believe that that was very much a sandbox. 
And by the way, Sinister Secret Assault Marsh, um, definitely, I mean, I think it's it's been voted as one of the best modules ever written on numerous occasions. And I, I agree with that. I, I certainly enjoyed running it for the group I had at the time. Um, and, this, you know, even due to the the boundaries that were put there for the actual module, you know, as a GM, you, you can change those. But to be honest, it was such a good story and so well written that I certainly, and I, th I think this is fairly common, tended to stick pretty much to what was in the module, just tweaking a few things here and there. And I'd thoroughly recommend it. And I'm sure even today that would run well as a, um, a module. Hmm. I've just had another thought as well. With, with, with you mentioning emergent gaming, I've always tended to think of it as much more to do with um, a player, a player's character and where that character came from and what they're doing emerging out of play as you sort of decide that. In other words, you're playing with no background, you've no idea at the start where your character came from and not necessarily really what drives him and you discover that as you're playing the game and that's how I've always thought of it um, perhaps incorrectly rather than it being a narrative thing that emerges out of play although that obviously does do but I don't see why um, you can't play a module with emergent play at all um, you can you know the narrative might change to what's actually in the module to some degree um, and, and that, that's great so shandy andy there of unguarded treasures b52 with some great messages and i'm glad you brought me back to that issue because i do have a little more to add now those modules were the ones that joe mentioned in his previous message and uh, as i say i'm not really familiar with any of them more about that later well thank you for recommending the sinister secret assault march because it sounds like that's worth checking out but as I say, yes, I'm glad we've come back to this because since beginning to record this episode, I have subsequently listened to Rob C's Down in a Heap episode about his feelings on what constitutes OSR, which is most certainly worth a listen, where he actually urges people to go to YouTube and seek out Matt Finch's explanation for what the OSR is, because, I mean, you know, if anybody's unclear of what the OSR is and what it grew out of, if anyone's an authority on that, it's Matt Finch, because he was involved in the writing of Osric and Swords and Wizardry, which essentially started this whole thing off. And he also breaks down the different elements of OSR in the sense of rules community and play style so yes i really urge you to check that out if you want uh, an understanding of what the osr has grown out of but one thing that it did say which addresses joe richter's question why is sandbox play associated with osr when there are plenty of osr modules which don't appear to lend themselves to that play style matt points out that it's actually the rules that are the significant element there. The point of rulings allowing the DM to make up stuff on the fly. So even if you're playing a module, if the players deviate from what's in the book, 
the DM has everything he needs in order to make up stuff on the fly. So essentially it's the rules that facilitate the sandbox play, despite what's actually in the modules. And also he highlights uh, the fact that the OSR community is very much a DIY community, which is taking stuff from these old modules and modifying them, using them for their own needs, which I don't doubt is what happened back in the day when people were playing these modules first time around. And we come back to the the railroad aspect. You know, if you have an adventure path in a module, but you have player autonomy, the only way to keep those players on track is to limit their options, you know, essentially hamstringing that autonomy. Thanks very much for your call, Andy, because it, yeah, nicely brought that full circle, hopefully making a bit more sense. So here we are in Controversy Corner, the feature that wouldn't die. And the reason I'm here is because this is about me. Because I'm about to drop a bombshell. I don't really like D&D rules. And I really struggle to get my head around them. And this is why, for me, my interest in the OSR isn't about nostalgia at all. I'm not trying to recapture something. I'm trying to go deeper into something that I felt I cut short in my youth. And as Andy Goodman says, I'm engaging with the hobby on another level, on a deeper level. I'm not a D&D guy. I'm not a D&D fan. What attracts me to the OSR is primarily the new stuff that's coming out of it. The modules, the sandboxes, the worlds that are being built. Because as far as old school rules are concerned, there's a lot that I don't like. Why do monsters have hit dice? Why don't they just have hit points? I understand that's to add variation, but... Do I really need to be rolling dice to do that? Alignment, I'm not a fan of. Armor class, attack matrices, I'm not a fan of Vancian magic. I have a problem with saving throws. I mean, why is reacting to something that's happening any different from engaging with the environment in any other way? I understand the argument that saving throws help to define classes, but it strikes me as a very odd way to go about that. Weird limitations on what classes can do, what weapons they can use, the strange subsystems, and just general inconsistencies. Um... As Barney says, 
reading stuff that makes him throw his hands up in the air and say, why? These are the things that occur to me when I'm looking through the old school essentials rules tome. I mean, it really is a thing of beauty and I really, really want to get my head around this game. And I understand all these strange little quirks of the system are all done in the name of balancing the classes. But again, you know, things like having different experience tables for each class, it just seems like such a... I don't know. I, I don't want to reference tables for things like that. Give me a formula for working it out. Don't give me a table of all the possible results. And yet, because the OSR, now regardless of whether you consider these systems OSR or not, they've certainly come out of the OSR and what immediately springs to mind are two games that really appeal to me. Into the Odd and Naive. Now, Into the Odd strikes me as a game where, if I could mangle a metaphor, Chris McDowell, he's thrown out the bathwater and presented us with a, with a lovely, clean baby. Now, I can see that some would argue that, no, so much has been removed from that game that, as Rob C points out, it's no longer OSR. But for me, it makes sense. For me, it's a rule set that I can look at, I can see how it works, and I can see how you can create stuff for it. I mean, there are so many OSR rule sets out there that I feel suffer because they don't go far enough in stripping out these old systems and that's why I think I struggle with getting my head around them because they've been taken out of context and I'm left thinking why have you left this here there must be a simpler way to approach this yeah so I wanted to speak about Nave what I like about Nave what appeals to me about Nave is that Ben Milton Questing Beast has gone back. He's looked at old modules and material and he's reverse engineered rules that will allow you to play those as simply as possible. He hasn't tried to emulate any pre-existing rule sets or anything like that. He's just taken the simplest most straightforward mechanics and created a nice little rule set completely free of flavor and this is kind of you know i'm very much drawn to into the odd because it has a particular flavor to it that i really like and i'm drawn to naive because it has a complete absence of flavor you know that flavor comes from whatever module you are playing but there you go, there, um, that's it. I 
didn't play D&D back in the day, as I've said before. And I'm really struggling to play it now. I find myself, I have certainly spoken about this before, reading rules, coming across something that I don't really like, thinking, oh, there must be a better way of doing this, and jumping to another rule set and doing exactly the same thing, getting to a point where there's something that doesn't make sense. There's something that I feel is less than elegant. So the old idea of searching for the perfect rule set. But I think I've got a couple of contenders in Into the Odd and Naive. Certainly as far as playing in the OSR style is concerned. So in summary, where are we? This isn't about nostalgia for me. I struggle with D&D rules as written. The rules that I do like are so far removed from D&D that they may not even qualify as OSR. But I love the OSR style of play. Exploration and venturing into the unknown. As Chicago is. So succinctly put it. So, perhaps, not so controversial after all. But I still want to have that BX experience that everyone is just so crazy for. (laughs) Because, who knows? It might finally make sense. So that's it. That's me. Hey, I don't know. That might be the last episode you ever listen to. (laughs) Not that I'm going anywhere, but thank you for listening. Thank you for all your fantastic messages. I've been Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall. You've been listening to Keep Off The Borderlands. If you'd like to leave me a message, click the link in the episode description. There's also a link to the Patreon of music man, Mr. TJ Drennan. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.